Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Volrath Feed. This is the show that brings you into the world of food service. I'm your host, Rich Rupp, product trainer and chef at the Volrath Company. And with me today is our producer, Justin Pearson. Hello, Justin. Hello, Rich. What is up today? Today is, uh, well, it's podcast time. We know that, right? It is. Look forward (laughs) to for us, right? Yeah, look forward to it every week. Absolutely. You know, and today I think is another one of these shows that is going to bring in another element of the industry for people that they don't normally maybe think of for food service. Mm -hmm. Uh, Today on our show, we're going to have uh, Raquel Weiss Fusco from Elite Studio E in Farmingdale, New York, who is the managing director of project operations there. So we'll see the insides and hear some of the uh, stories that she has as far as design goes for space. Designing, Mm -hmm. you know, spaces and food service are so important on so many levels. When you walk into a food service location, thinking, you know, even hospitals or work cafeterias, not even just restaurants, I mean, everywhere. And you look around and you can say, wow, this place is pretty cool. And you immediately get a feel for the business, you you need to get a feel for like what kind of place it's going to be. Is it light and airy and fresh? Is it kind of reserved and quiet? So it sets the tone. And on one level, you might think, okay, we got it. That's what we want. But then look around when it's actually in operation. And is there enough space for the staff? Is the customer flow? Do you feel comfortable knowing what you're supposed to be doing where? And is there space to stand if you need to or a place to walk? So it's function and it's the appearance that are so important. And uh, it's very evident when you're in a place that doesn't have those two things working for it. Yeah, I, I think we've all been in those kind of places where there's just bottlenecks, both on the production side and the customer mm-hmm. side, and it just ter- turns everything into a miserable experience. Right. So it's it, And then there's other things that, that you just don't actively think about that are happening you know, passively in the background. A lot of customer psychology in the design and oh, yeah. color palettes and shapes and where things go and how they flow and how they influence your decision making. This is an area I don't have any experience in, but if you sit there and think about it, there's a lot of components to it. Right. And that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of people don't even consider this as part of the food service industry. They just think food service is the operation, but a lot goes into this. You might call it the front side of of building a restaurant or a food service space. And, And it doesn't have to just be a restaurant. Think about it a cafeteria at a workplace or a hospital, mm-hmm. these other settings that they still have to function, they still have to work. And it, it's very frustrating when it doesn't work and it can be very costly to fix when it's not right. Mm-hmm. You know, chains, I think, have the advantage in that they've proven out their designs, they've tweaked it along the way, so they've, they've got it down. But for smaller industries or, or these one-offs like a hospital or a cafeteria or something, they or a sole proprietorship in a restaurant, you know, they need this expertise. And sometimes I think they rely on maybe their architect, who isn't really a food service designer. Yeah, right. And uh, that can be, a, again, another costly mistake. Yeah, you see you see that happen a lot with smaller colleges mm-hmm. and campuses where the architect just, here's the plans, this is, this is how it is, stove right. goes over here, oven goes over here. And later on, <laughs> I've heard a lot working in higher ed where like, why didn't they just ask me about this in, in regards to the person who works that area? You know, why why wasn't anybody consulted about this? Because you just see glaring omissions or problems that mm-hmm. that if somebody 
with some experience in that would have been able to point out on paper before it ever was installed. Right. I can think of some occasions where I've been in these settings and I think, boy, this just wasn't thought through. This so much mm-hmm. missed this, right? I was in an airport and uh, they had the line kind of lined up along the front counter there. And then there was a tiny space on the end that was like the pickup zone. So mm-hmm. you pre-ordered, then you stepped back and kind of waited. But it was on the end of one of the, an area that traffic kind of turned around off of one of the, um, what do you call those things? It's been so long, terminal. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> it's been so long since I've been, <laughs> since I've been anywhere. But uh, the, the place that they had you stand was kind of like right in the middle of traffic. So everyone you could tell was feeling very uncomfortable about standing there. And we were all kind of hanging back. And then, as you could tell, they were calling someone's name, but you couldn't hear it. So everybody kind of inched forward. Then you didn't hear it. You heard it wasn't your name. Then you backed up again. It was really weird. Mm. You know, just they could have redesigned that better. So, this is another example how you're in those situations, you know, they're not right. Yeah. Well, I will say though that they uh, they created a memory for you, if nothing else. Well, they did. <laughs> they did. Not so much that I even can remember where it was or what that thing is called it was on, uh-huh. but uh, yeah, some memory indeed. But so we we all I think can sense those things though. I think everyone listening for sure can think of situations where you know it works. You walk mm-hmm. in and you can immediately tell. Yeah, you can feel it. It's almost palpable. That it's an energy that's created, and yeah. it's something that carries you through from beginning to end. Well, and and again, we I'll talk about the chains again. They have they do such a good job at it. You you should actually be able to be blindfolded, taken into a building, and and exposed to the inside, and you probably can tell where you are. In a lot mm-hmm. of cases, it's that recognizable when mm-hmm. done. I think well, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to hear from her today, and she's um. Third generation, I think, in a, in the family business. So it'll be fun to hear a little of that side of the story as well. I think. Wow, that'd be an interesting profession to follow in in uh, footsteps of. It's just something that you don't hear a lot about, and then you know to be able to number one want to do what what your family does, and then working with your family on that because it's it's a lot of creative decisions there, and and creative people can butt heads quite a bit you know, on, on different decisions. Sure. It'll be fun to hear about that dynamic. Yeah, family businesses always give us those. In any any industry you're in, there's just, there's the business stresses that are there and then there's personal stuff that's there. Mm-hmm. And that, those those can, those can waters can run pretty deep. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's, it, in those scenarios, it's, it's never just business. It's business and personal. Right, right. Well, you know, Rich, there's one thing that is kind of the elephant in the room right now with COVID. And this massively affects her business, I would imagine, where you have to take into account all these different standards and precautions to keep people safe. And it's not going away. So you you have to, I imagine they had to do a lot of late nights revisiting how they operate and then incorporating new plans and new designs to accommodate business going forward. Well, I think you're right. I think there's there's an immediate push on adapting the current space to to manage the the task. But I think there's even a bigger picture of as as businesses realize that people can work from home and still be productive. People are learning they like working from home. Is there going to be as much of a need to to do these design spaces, these big cafeterias and things like that in businesses or 
uh, for sure, I guess, you know, office towers and things like that. Are you still going to need that level of space? And if so, keeping in mind the trend of you know, some of the trends that have been out there, adapting those to COVID world with distances and the way we're doing delivery and picking up with lockers and all that kind of stuff, it all is going to, you know, I wonder at some point too, are we going to have always be referring to pre-COVID? You know, five <laughs> years from now, we're going to say, oh, that, that space is pre-COVID. Is it? Yeah. Well, I, I, I really think it could be a point of reference for historians, you know, like, I think like so. BCE, you know, <laughs> it's like, uh, it'll be, we, uh, it, it'll, it, maybe it'll just go back to, you know, BC before COVID. It's going to be interesting. I was one of those people, I remember someone saying, what about our trainings that we have scheduled? And I said, oh, let's just hang on here eight weeks or so. We'll be, we'll be back to training. And, you know, <laughs> I, I've, I've swung 180 now. I'm, I'm feeling it's going to be longer than we realized before we're really back to where we were as far as the way we act. And I think masks are going to stick around for a long time. I think distancing is, is going to feel weird when you start getting into areas that you're too close to people for a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, those are things we've culturally just shifted on. And, uh, oh, in such hard. a short amount of time, it's, right. our psychology has just shifted. And mm -hmm. I don't know how quickly a person can come back from that, if ever. It's, it's, I feel sometimes that I've been altered. You know, core elements of me have been, have been modified because of this. And I don't know how, how a person co comes back from that. Well, we see it. We're, we're standing around and someone gets too close to you and you start thinking, I'm stepping back. Yeah, that barrier, that amount of distance was never an issue before. And suddenly now they're within that six foot mark and you start feeling like you got to get away from them. It's not even <laughs> a conscious decision. It's just, no. I, I, it's a no. natural reaction to, right. to back up and increase that buffer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's weird. I know we've had a, a lot of things that we're talking about here and I know we're going to uh, get a lot of things from our guests today. So I think it's time that we welcome in our guest. And just to remind everyone, today we have with us Raquel Weiss Fusco from Elite Studio E, headquartered in Farmingdale, New York. I think Raquel is located there as well. So without further ado, Raquel, welcome to the Volrath feed. Thank you. Thanks for spending some time with us here today. We really appreciate it. Oh, I'm honored to have been invited. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I know Elite Studio E is, is a family business and, and it's been around for some time. You've got now six locations, I think it looks like across the U.S. and Justin and I were talking a little bit about some design things earlier in the show, just um, when we recognize a good design and not. And I, I was wondering if we could just start out with just, could you give us a little history about Elite Studio E? Yeah, sure. So um, Elite Studio E is a um, very rare and special company uh, built, on, built on family. My father has been in the food service industry um, since he was a young boy. And a very cute story is um, my father was, would always go to a post office uh, where he started his company. And I was a little girl. And every Saturday morning, we would drive to the post office and he had a little P.O. box that he, you know, created his company, his, his address. And I would, always, and we, we would pull up there and I'd always say, I don't understand. How do you how do you fit all your office furniture in there? Because I was very little. Like, <laughs> and we're not talking like yesterday. We're talking like maybe five yeah. years old. And I was so confused that, that you know, but, and, and obviously now looking back, it's a very sweet and nostalgic story. But um, 
my father started Elite Studio E. Um, it originally was Elite Food Service Equipment Company. It was no more than him and one other woman, actually, initially. And it grew to at um, about 50 people, you know, which over the span of the past 20 years. He has really set a beautiful platform for not only our family, but everybody else that works here. People have been here as long as the company, we're talking 20 years, 15 years, 10 years. Um, it's, it's, you know, high retention and, and everybody. We joke that, you know, it's great to have the last name White, but truly everybody, and this is going to sound really corny, but really everybody who does work here is part of our family. Right. Well, family businesses, you, you, uh, you know how they work. And it, it is unique when you're in that. And I think it, you know, your, your earlier statement about how people have been there, that longevity says a lot too about the type of business your father started and the, the way he runs the business. And people appreciate that when they can work for someplace and, and they have a good sense of how the business is to be run. And it's, it's obviously a caring business if you've got family members and people feel that way. So that's, that's just a really special thing. I, my family had a restaurant or has a restaurant yet. And I, I know what you mean. It, it's like you, you know, these people so well, you've been with them all the time. They, they feel like family. It's, it's pretty unique. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it doesn't feel like we are a 40, 50 person company. It still feels tight knit like a family. I mean, I, there are people here that were, you know, at milestone events of mine growing up. Mm -hmm. Some, you know, some of the people here remember me when I was in, when I was eight years old with chubby cheeks, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, how do we ref, uh, reference this now? Rich and I were talking about this earlier. Is it, is it BC for before COVID or is it PC <laughs> for pre-COVID? Well, either way, before the lockdown and, and the pandemic, what did it look like for you uh, in dealing with a new client? What was the process and how that all looks like? Yeah. So new client, returning client, um, you know, it could be a, a number of things that they're looking for. They might want to have a, okay, and pre-COVID naturally, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll preface, you know, preface it with that. They may, you know, say we want a full-blown uh, gut renovation for, you know, three floors in a new building that we're you know, coming into and um, show us what you got. You know, so we have in-house here, it's not just, we are not just a, you know, an equipment um, distributor, anything. We are a, you know, full-blown design, design and consulting firm. Um, so we have, our process is one of our team leads will come back with that opportunity and present it to their team. And on that team, you have interior designers, you have food service designers, coordinators, project managers, um, and basically they are all going to work together to put together a full-blown presentation of what this space could look like based on their market, their budget, their needs, you know, where they are in the country, offerings, you know, and we, we walk them through the entire process, whether we are working closely with an architect or working closely with general contractors. Um, but no matter the size of, 
the project, whether it is, like I said, a full-blown gut renovation, a retrofit, a small coffee bar, everybody's always getting that team support, no matter what. It's not a one-person job. It's, it's, it's a full team with different, with people who have strengths in, in a multitude of areas. That full team that you mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, you've got everyone's support there. I know there's something you've been doing in COVID that is a design consultation, a COVID assessment. Mm-hmm. And how is that going as far as, um, do you, does everybody get in a room and just go, okay, here's our client, here's the, the, the space or what, whatever it is. And then does everyone just kind of pitch in there or does someone go on site it's, or how do, how do you do those? Yeah, COVID? you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting that the, that design assessment came out at the spark of, you know, COVID, you know, how do you stay ahead? And that was our way of addressing issues immediately. We still absolutely are providing assessments, short-term impacts or changes to the design process, but not every client wants that, you know, because again, and I, and I, do, I do believe this, we are going to be back, obviously, with modifications and taking social distancing and health and and probably some I hope some strong guidelines from the health department into um, into play but you know we are still moving forward with our our you know designs just taking new experience into those designs if that makes sense so you know, whereas maybe we wouldn't have focused so heavily on technology, we are now, you know, that is now an absolute uh, topic of discussion when we are creating assessments. We are having, yeah, we are, to answer your question, Rich, we are having interior designers and food service designers, you know, a creative department sitting with our team lead and even the client and saying, here are some of our areas of concern short term but we're also then potentially creating long-term fixes off of the short-term, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, where you might have a heavy area for that grab-and-go, you know, contactless pickup station, we might create that area so in a year or two, it can be flipped into a a market again, you know. So it's thinking thinking now, but it's Mm -hmm. also thinking one year, two year, three year ahead. What, what do you project those areas to be? It's nice to work in a future-proof environment and, and really plan for what could be, but how, how, how do you think that looks for some of these places you've been designing COVID for? I think that for those short-term fixes of those, let's say, COVID designs or you know, during COVID, I do still think that you you know we're going to still have to entertain that that comfort level of social distancing and a comfort level of um having barriers and and delivery options lockers all of those things. I don't think that it's necessarily you're going to be ripping them away, but I do think that over time you're going to see you know progress into, I, we'll never get back to what we were. I, I, I don't think so. But I do think that you will see a new wave of normal. Do I think the salad bar is coming back tomorrow? 
<laughs> but what I do think is going to happen is we're going to see an opportunity for new ideas for that salad bar mm-hmm. or new ideas for your pickups, your, your, your flex areas. Um, and so I do think it's, it's going to be very interesting, but I'm, one thing I will say is that people, we all crave food service. We all crave hospitality. We all crave a break from sitting at your desk all day, you know, and, uh, I mean, I just was in meetings back to back to back. And my only option was delivery to my, you know, because I didn't bring lunch. And all I wanted to do was actually get up and go be social for a little while and not just sit here. So, you know, that's human nature. And mm-hmm. I just think that it's, it's taking safety and health into account when you're designing, but it doesn't mean that you can't design and you can't provide. So it's, it's you know, just being, you know, educated when you're creating the new designs. Well, Justin and I were talking earlier as well as, as employers are realizing that you know, employees can be productive at home and employees are, are seeing some of the advantages of being at home. And it, it looks like this might be kind of an ongoing thing for some time. Uh, is that changed the B&I kind of uh, dining space, you know, for the foreseeable future? Or are you still thinking it'll be a shorter window than a couple, you know, five years out or shorter than that, that we will be back in the office full time? Or is that, is that kind of gone, do you think? I wish I had a crystal ball to shake right. it right now or one of those magic eight balls and shake <laughs> yeah. it. And, yeah. Are you um, hearing anything but, from Mine keeps clients? saying, uh, ask again later. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in, in all honesty, what I think we're going to see is a gradual transition back. I don't think you're going to see people full-blown five days a week. I think it's going to maybe be like, I'm just making this up, but you know, like A, B days. So you're in the office three days a week, you're home two days a week and vice versa. My husband works in Manhattan and you know, he's getting wind of something like that come spring. Hmm. He is thrilled. He can't wait. Uh, As much as, you know, working from home was great for, you know, the first two months, you're in your sweatpants, you're on the couch. People miss, like I said, that social impact that the amenities the mm-hmm. get not you know getting out of your home which you're you know it, it becomes extremely monotonous I do think that we are going to see come spring especially that is what I'm hearing from you know like I said I'm I live in New York all of my very close friends work in Manhattan um, and they are all pretty much look unless something else God forbid happens mm. You know, really starting to plan that trickle back effect come spring of 2021. And with that, people are going to want to eat. Um, people are going to want to feel normal. And people are going to want to not have to eat that same sandwich that they made every day at mm-hmm. home. So <laughs> it's, I, 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 I hope that I bring some hope and positivity to to all of this because I, I really see even currently we have our operators, you know, obviously they're not producing and having to feed as many mouths as usual, but they too are thinking six months, one year ahead, it's going to start ramping up again. What have been some of the more popular design elements that you've been, or amenities 
that you've been putting into designs to accommodate COVID restrictions? Your obvious ones, you know, your vertical barriers um, and delivery options and more, more compartmentalized pantry uh, market, you know, for just a few, you know, smaller spaces, obviously. Um, but one huge thing, you know, is to really keep that ear open about technology. Um, you know, we're going to be, you know, right now it is the the delivery, the Grubhub, the Uber Eats, the DoorDash. So, you know, I know that a lot of the um, manufacturers have been developing locker systems, those that can, you know, hold hot food, cold food, room temperature. They're not cheap, but you know it, it, it's certainly um, it's certainly in the forefront of people's minds. You know it, it, it depends. It really does depend. But those are really how they're doing. You know, again, more of that short-term, in-the-moment fix, or for the next preparing for that come back to work experience. Because mm-hmm. I also want to make everybody who is coming in feel feel safe and comfortable. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly very important. So beyond the COVID uh, advice or the the time that we're looking at, do you have any good advice for anyone listening that is, say, a um, sole proprietor, an independent, and they're looking at some redesign element? Is, Is there any advice you'd give them on fatal flaws or mistakes that you see or some advice in the process that they can avoid some of the common pitfalls, if you will, of things that are out there. Do you see things that like, when you walk into a, a space and go, oh, they did that again? Is there something that can kind of gives, gives someone listening some advice? What I'm going to say is that health regulations, laws are going to be extremely tight as they should be already, but even mm-hmm. tighter. Um, health department coming in and, you know, ensuring that everybody is following whatever guidelines are going to be rolled out, you know, now and then within the next few months or so. What I would really urge is to seek professional advice, uh, seek consultation, seek the people who are experienced and know the laws, the engineering behind everything, because, you know, you don't want to mess around put sinks in the wrong places and all, you know, all of those things. It's just, it's, as we can see, it's just a very sensitive time right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We were talking earlier that uh, sometimes just the little things of if, if a customer or someone has to wait for something to provide that space that they can wait and be out of the traffic flow and, and little things that I think are, are I see sometimes that that's one I, I think I see is people don't plan for sometimes when, there's a backup or where do people stand and wait in, in design. Mm. My, my father designed a restaurant and his architect uh, said he, I think would, would do some of the design work for him instead of just drawing that part of the, the project. But they've got some crisscrossing traffic patterns that really don't seem to work on paper. We make them work, of course, but if there was a chance to do it over again, I think we would redesign that space. So just some well, of those little it, errors. Yeah. And, and that's something really important to think about. I'm just thinking about yesterday when I went to go pick up a salad at my local bagel place and how uncomfortable I felt because, you know, while you're ordering, it was great. You were more than six feet apart. But once you went to pay, it was a free-for-all. <laughs> yeah. And 
what we do is we we walk we we walk the space as the as everybody's role when we are designing. You walk the space as your consumer. You walk the space as your operator, as your chef, as your you know working the line. Um, who's at the the point of sales? You know, you, you have to take everything into account, and it's and and to no fault of of many hard to to do that and to even think to do that mm-hmm. and, and it's funny it's, it's because it's it's like I think of it or equate it to designing your own house right you, you think you can design your own home you know you can pick out all you, you may be great at designing it but you don't really know that home until you live in it and realize right. ah I wish I did it like this mm, you know yep. so it's I think of it like that a, a lot too I think I'd like to shift gears a little bit and again trying to get something more for uh, some of the operators that might be listening, is there anything that you do? I know you have the Kells Corner. Is that still going? And is that something that our listeners can look for and, and get some information from you on? Yeah, absolutely. So Kells Corner um, is a little spin on my first name, Raquel. My father calls me Kel, but spells it Q-U-E-L. My father always wanted me to have some form of a blog or an area to discuss trends of the industry. And, and, and speaking honestly, I did not feel confident in doing so when I first began my career um, at Elite because this was a, a brand new world to me as a former teacher. So, you know, after a few years, I, I was ready to do this, and it's it's very cool. Um, I have a social, I have an Instagram account, Kelt Corner, um, where you know I I post fun trends in the industry, anything from you know a beautiful restaurant, fun floors, yummy drinks, to maybe having some kind of a you know a get together or an event with other colleagues and friends in the industry. I'm very heavily involved in SHFM, the Society for Hospitality and Food Management. Um, And so, you know, I do post a lot at events with them. And I also, um, about quarterly, will write about, you know, a topic that is screaming out to me, screaming out in the industry, um, sparking an interest in um, total food service magazine, uh, TFS. Well, you mentioned that you're heavily involved in the Society for Hospitality and Food Service Management, but you're, you're really involved. You were a rising young professional <laughs> in 2018. Congratulations on that. And oh, thank you. Last year, 2019, uh, named to the board of directors. So very involved with that organization. I am. Yeah. Very lucky. It's, it's been a great platform for me. Um, and I, I love the organization. It's, it's honestly, uh, as I spoke about, um, you know, elite food service being a family, I've honestly found some wonderful friends and family in the organization. And in just the few years I've been involved, um, and even uh, a great, great place to talk to people during, during COVID, you know, coming together. It was, it was, it's been very nice. It's a great, great network. Backing up for just a second. So you, you come from education background. Um, were you, what uh, grade were you teaching? So I taught high school social studies 
history um, for six years, world history. Very nice. I was an education major for a while until I decided that, oh my gosh, I'm just going to be a choir teacher. And I remembered (laughs) how uh, a lot of my classmates treated our choir teacher. I'm like, ah, no, I'm going to peace out on that. Um, but my sister, uh, both my sisters uh, were were teachers. Well, one is and one used to be. And she got out of it because she loved the kids, but administration and uh, all those other things that can be soul crushing for uh, a young teacher. Yeah. Did you get lured into the business or did you have enough of the education business? And you're like, I need, I need to shift gears. Yeah. Your sister and I are, are very much in sync on that. Um, I love the kids. I still have contact with some of my former students. It was the administration that just completely killed me, killed, you know, crushed mm. me. And truthfully, I also, I'm so driven and creative and need spontaneous days and teaching the same lesson day after day, year after year, and not being allowed to step outside the box. That was another thing. The administration really, oh yeah, you're cuffed. Mm -hmm. And basically it was one summer I was figuring out, you know, what I was going to do, you know, if I was transitioning to a different school or, you know, I was, I was kind of in a weird place. And my father said, you know, because teachers have their summers off and, uh, well, some. And he said, Raquel, why don't you come in and try and work at the company this summer? Just, you can go back to teaching in the fall if you don't like it, but why don't you give it a chance? And I never left. Hmm. I just, I was not expecting it. I, I, truly, I was very, I was, I saw how hard my father worked (laughs) as a kid and late and, and, you know, the, everything he did to provide for us. Um, and, and I guess maybe it intimidated me a little bit, but he loves what he does. And I never understood that because not, you know, not everybody loves what they do. And I never would understand how do you love working, you know? Right. And when all I'll say is when the doors opened up here again, after COVID, I was so excited to come back because I, I genuinely do love what I do now. That's how this all yeah you know everything works in very very weird ways <laughs> that's true and you always think it's like some kind of myth or like yeah right moment when somebody says they love their job if you're in a loveless job and you're just like that doesn't exist and then when you do experience it you're like oh my gosh it all makes yeah. sense now and it's like I, I can go to work and i can i'm allowed to be happy and then go home and be happy yeah, yeah. Just, oh, isn't that such a nice feeling it is and i yeah I encourage anyone who's able to do that. I mean, it kind of seems to be like one of the new pursuits of the 21st century is the right to pursue to be happy in the workplace. More than being paid a a boatload of money is is to be fulfilled and and happy. Absolutely. I mean, if that is how you spend your, your, your days, your years, you want to be fulfilled and you want to work and feel passionate about the work that you're doing. I completely agree. Right. A lot of that happiness is, you know, we talk about the people you work with and the relationships. And this is, we're in a very social type of business, right? Food service Absolutely. is very social. And I, which brings to mind, um, you being in the, near the city, 
uh, Tri-State Marketing, one of our very long-term uh, rep groups <laughs> out that way. You must know Lynn and Bart, uh, I would say, a little bit. Probably oh, just a little knowing bit. Knowing them <laughs> from that little girl, right? Your dad probably had a long relationship with them. Oh, yeah. They're, they're such great people. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Wonderful, Absolutely. wonderful people. And I know we have our, our plant in upstate New York and Canandaigua area. I know that that's been a, a great partnership with you, uh, with the products from that facility. You're, that's primarily that custom-built kind of product that, uh, like you mentioned, coffee carts and things like that. But yep. you know, we've had a great relationship with you on that. So we thank yes, you for that. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I can't wait till the days again where I can start sending, you know, people from the office back out to Sheboygan. You know, um, I had such a great time when I came out for that. I think it was a couple of days. Yes. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. We try to have a good time. We try to also (laughs) provide, you know, that good training, but it's, it's uh, all, again, very social, a lot of fun. Fantastic Uh, training. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It was a long time ago already. Yes, it has. (laughs) But yeah, we don't have any going this year anymore, but we'll, we'll, as you said, the industry comes back. I'm sure we'll be back to doing that at some point. So we all will be, we yes. all will be, and we'll, we'll look back on this and say, okay, you know, it was a, it was one of those moments where we all had to just kind of slow down, reevaluate, grow, reflect, and mm-hmm. hopefully everybody has stayed safe and healthy and, you know, we'll all move on. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to pick on some pick up on something that you mentioned a little earlier as well as I looking for ways op, our, our listeners can gain some insight. You write for a is that the Total Food Service? Do you do a weekly or is that a monthly? Um, I believe we were doing it. I think I was doing it quarterly. Quarterly, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll venture into you know maybe something that's a a new trend or things to look out for in the industry. And um, actually, we are putting a new article together, and I will be having somebody else write for it this time, kind of like a guest spot from somebody else in our company, Chad Weiss, and he will be speaking about our consulting services and how we're positioning ourselves there. And uh, so that'll be exciting. Yeah, I'd encourage everybody. I, I think I get so much information. I mean, on a daily basis, I'm reading several newsletters and blogs and I, I get uh, feeds in from different things. I think you just, you kind of read them all and then you get that your information, right? It's a good way to stay in the industry and stay current. It is so important to take a little bit of time out of the meetings and the emails and the uh, reviews to update yourself on what's going on outside of your office and the trends and the, and who's who, and and just to sit down and, and you know, I'm, I'm literally looking at a chair in my office where I have a couple of magazines um, and articles that I have to, you know, I'm going to catch up on a little bit. Because it's, it's, it's very important to be knowledgeable, to stay ahead. It's also an interesting read if it's something that you're enjoying and you're passionate about and seeing what other people out there are doing, whether it's your competitors or your clients. Right. And I think that's the the key there is that if you're in the right industry and you enjoy your job, it's not like it's work. It's actually interesting. You have that natural curiosity about the industry and it's enjoyable to, to read those things. I'm, I'm curious, what, 
is some of the design trends coming up that that you're excited about and that that you think will be implemented uh, on more of a widespread basis? You know, what I'm excited about is is seeing the people, you know, everybody starting to when it's safe enough to start heading back into their offices, their corporate headquarters, their spaces. Um, and what we're going to see is a focus on that workplace experience more than ever. Because one thing that I think COVID did do is when people were working remote, they were allowed to and able to do so much more in that work day. And not just working. We'll be honest here. You may have thrown a load of laundry in. You may have um, hopped on a Peloton bike for 20 minutes in between two meetings. You know, prepare your, your dinner for that evening. And what you're going to see is, I have a feeling workplace experience is going to try and replicate some of those amenities that people will not have when working from home. You might see a rise of daycares mm. on site juice bars, exercise facilities, markets for foods to go, um, mm. laundry services. You know, I, I think that we'll certainly see, you know, your operators, your, you know, the buildings potentially redesigning to invite those kinds of amenities in. Uh, that's, that makes a lot of sense for a society that, that really thrives and prides itself on, on convenience being a lot of us transitioning to working from home has just multiplied that that convenience factor for for a lot of our daily tasks. So to see that being transitioned back into the work environment makes a lot of sense because it, we've gotten used to it. And we there's a lot of yep. elements that we like about working at home. Exactly. I like I, I like being able to just get out of my office and and go run a, a load of laundry or get dinner started or do a lot of these other things that quite frankly, it was just impossible when, when you're at the office. So, I think that we're also a lot of people in this industry and, and you're, you're certainly your Gen Z younger people are built on multitasking too. So if they're able to you know, bring that multitask from their remote settings to their office and still conquer so many of those things, I think that it, you're, you're going to have ingredients for a, you know, a big success back to work. Right. Very interesting. That is a very um, interesting thing to look forward to is some of those amenities and things that we do at home, bringing that into the workplace to kind of make that uh, time more useful again. Very, very interesting idea. Uh, Raquel, before we let you go, I I know that uh, throughout your career, there has been someone, and I'm going to take a stab at might, I don't want to say it because I think I know where your quote might come from, but um, there's people that have influenced you, said things, you've read something maybe that influences you or guides you on a day-to-day basis. Do you have anything like the, a quote or something that you could share with our listeners as to something that just affects you or, or guides you? So I'm a huge quote person. Um, and so actually, you know, for me, I will, I will ramble a quote off depending on my day, my mood, um, you know, what the environment is uh, setting me up for. And, and one thing that I actually didn't say is I used to teach when I was a social studies teacher, I also taught a course on the history of rock and roll. So a lot of music, nice. 
Um, <laughs> wow, man, we didn't of, even get into that. I was we just Justin, know, don't even start. Oh, I know. We could go for another couple <laughs> hours. Could, but <laughs> We could have done a whole podcast just on that. I, yeah. I, took, um, I took quite a few courses in college um, on rock and roll and, and, and that. So that was my, that's my true passion. But anyway, so I have this one quote, and I think it really pertains to all of us right now. Um, and it's from uh, Frank Zappa, actually. Hmm. Um, very, very nice. Without deviation from the norm, progress is not possible. My gosh, we have not been in the norm. Mm-hmm. But we will, we will progress from this. And so I, I think that that's how I would like to close this off. Uh, perfect. <laughs> it is. It's, it's so true. I mean, you're absolutely right. One last uh, thing from you, if you can just remind everyone again how to find you or, and Kel's Corner and, and the other areas yeah. that you're out on. You can find me on Instagram on Kel's Corner, Q-U-E-L-S Corner. You can also follow Elite Studio E on Instagram as well. And I am also on LinkedIn. Well, Raquel, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk with us today. This was a lot of fun and I I know our listeners appreciate hearing your insights and advice and, and the, the angles you bring on design. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun talking to you today. We wish you the best of luck. And, and again, thank you for um, helping our listeners learn a little bit more about the design aspects of the food absolutely. service industry. So thank, thank you. you for having me. And, and we absolutely, you know, love working with Volrath and uh, having you guys as a partner. It's been, it's, it's wonderful. It, it's been a good partnership. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Justin, that was a uh, insightful uh, time spent there with Raquel. She, you know, I, as I said early on in the show, this was an area that I think a lot of people don't always think of as far as the food service industry and, you know, her business, her family business, um, you know, quite involved for a number of years here. They they know what's going on. And it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear some of those things she talked about as far as what is going to come out of this and, and like, you know, her quote, you know, for example, when we think about that um, what comes out of it uh, is is uh, if innovation coming from deviating from the norm right that that quote that she said that these things that might come out of this covid world and how they're going to change things going forward right right and really what a person in her position and in their business they do is they're really poised to to help alleviate a lot of the stress that operators are are faced with now and they're going to be faced with when it comes to COVID compliance. You know, they are experts in their field as far as designing spaces to best function the, the operation. Mm-hmm. So it just makes a lot of sense to consult with, with somebody like Raquel who can help us navigate the, the treacherous waters of, of pandemic or post-pandemic world. Right. And the mistakes that you can make, the operators, by doing some of this stuff on, on their own can be costly, right? So right, right. seek them out. I think that's great advice. Um, I can tell you firsthand, that, and I've seen some designs that people have tried to do themselves, and you just don't have that experience. Like she talked about the group there. I'm sure they all review projects or something and contribute. So seek them out. Use their expertise, and it, it'll pay off when you have a efficiently design space that looks good and, and it's comfortable for guests and all those little things that get overlooked sometimes they, they can help figure yeah. out and make sure they're right. Yeah. It, it kind of is another component of the cost of ownership equation. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if you invest in it up front, it's going to save you in the long run in more mm-hmm. ways than one, you know, and probably right. a lot of gray hair too. Right. You know, so the areas that she talked about, I'm really interested in, in and that's a, it's got me thinking this whole thing of what are some of those amenities that, that we talked about with her as far as she said um, that people will be looking for when they go back to work to maybe be in the workplace like the cooking and things. Well, yeah, it makes you think, well, are we going to have, am I going to be able to uh, toss a load of laundry in while I'm getting right. something out of the vending machine? Is that is that really crazy idea? I don't know. Well, Bring your I, laundry, maybe a little laundromat in there. Uh, certainly maybe food service is, is an obvious one that we think of some of those things. But what are, daycare, we talk about that, working out. Yeah, I think a lot been. of, I think everything's on the table now. Yeah. Because we have created a new standard of convenience for ourselves that you know i think a lot of people are going to be reluctant to give up when they go back yeah what do you think justin any any last thoughts from you on today's episode or yeah like always please hit that subscribe button and never miss another moment with an industry professional or chef again and while you're at it it would be great and much appreciated if you could give us a review let us know how we're doing what we can improve on, what you like, suggestions for topics, maybe you just want to talk, whatever, shoot us a line. Right, and on that note, anything, reach out to us at the volratfoodservice.com slash the feed. Any ideas, thoughts, anything at all about the show, let us know. We appreciate it. And again, as I like to end our show, and just a good piece of advice, I think, is don't worry about anybody else and what they're doing. Just do what you do best, and no one's going to beat you. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you have a great week ahead. Until next time, take care.